good morning, almost afternoon to the Two Dope Nation. How y'all doing? This is Gerardo Munoz. It's your boy Kevin Adams. And we are coming at you on a Wednesday snow day. A snow day. In the Denver Public Schools. How you feeling on this snow day, brother? Uh, I'm feeling pretty good. I'm feeling that I, you know, got to sleep in, uh, you know, relaxed. Uh, the, the subtle rain let me sleep a little harder. <laughs> yeah. Now the woods are howling. <laughs> yeah, it is wild. So I'm, I'm up in the upstairs office space in my house. And normally, normally I can look out the windows and see almost all the way to, to Dick's Sporting Goods Park. Yeah. Um, but currently, the windows are completely caked over with snow and ice. Yeah, so that's about how it is here. I can't that's... see none. None. <laughs> yeah. No, our dog won't even go outside. To use He's I know. like, uh, I don't like this. It's not cool. My dog's still not speaking to me for putting him outside like while it was raining. Because um, <laughs> he, he, because... Cause you know, he had, he had to go and you know, when we sleep late, that throws off his like, his yep. like his clock. clock. And so I like put him outside and he's like, you must be out your mind. <laughs> you know. <laughs> but he, he went and he did his business. He's a good dog. Um, but yeah, so we were talking off mic how this was potentially a public relations disaster for our district. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know? Yes. It had the potential because, um, as you know, the, the snow, the call for the snow day went out and I think, I think I got the. Uh, message or saw in my email at 4:55 yesterday afternoon. Yeah, so and it was, it was early. Freeze. Yeah, yeah, it was sunny. We we had our first middle school girls soccer game yesterday. It was yes, perfect, yeah, yeah. perfect weather. Like it was, and so when one of my student volunteers was like, "Hey, one of the teachers just messaged us on Remind that school's closed tomorrow," and I'm like, "Well, okay." I mean, like I I can't say I didn't see it coming a little bit because. You know, everybody's been freaking out about this storm. Um, But yeah, so, but it was like, this is some, and then like overnight, I keep looking out the window. Nope, looks good. Looks clear. And it didn't even start raining until this morning. Yeah. Yeah, no. And then it switched over. Yeah. And now it's like happening. It switched over with quickness. (laughs) So I think it's a good thing they called it because it was like about 11 o'clock when it started to get really bad. (laughs) Yeah. And I could have just seen us, you know, getting to school, there being about, like, maybe half of the kids there. Yeah. And then, like, us having to wait around yep. to get all the other kids out and then being stuck. Man, have you ever – Have I can't remember if we've ever, we've had this happen in – I think it happened once in, in my career um, where you go to school and they actually call it. Yeah, that's happened, I think, one time. Yeah. But it was like, um, it was before Christmas break, right? I think it was. I think you're right. Like, we got there, and then they're like, you know what? We're not going to do this. <laughs> We're not going to do Sorry. this. It actually makes sense to close school right now. I mean, you know, and, and Two Dope Nation, don't add us about this. Like, we understand that that keeping schools open is an equity issue, and it is an issue yes, that absolutely. Denver Public Schools has to contend with more than most districts because if yeah. schools close – there's a whole lot of kids that lose two meals that day that can't get like yeah. childcare that don't have a safe place where they can be like we get it um and uh but having said that we got this like safety issue which is compounded by the fact that I cannot see out my front door <laughs> yeah yeah but that's the key too like how many kids do you see like uh when we have these days where people have car trouble and you know all this stuff goes yep. on yep 
And it's just like, uh, it makes it really hard. It makes it really hard. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. So today's show, um, we actually, so uh, shout out to you, Kev, for setting this up. Can you tell us a little bit about what we're going to be talking about today? So uh, this is an episode where we have a guest. Yes. Uh, If you're being getting tired of us, if you're getting tired of us, just the two of us, there's going to be a third voice. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like when the kids get a substitute. They're like, <laughs> or somebody a, different than you. Or a guest speaker. <laughs> guest speaker, Or yes. a student teacher. Do you ever get your feelings hurt when your students like your student teacher more than they seem to like you? Um, You know, that that never, ever – there's like a honeymoon phase, but it seems like whenever the student teacher starts to teach their lessons, <laughs> they're like, all right, we want you back. We want you back. But that's at true. While you have really good ones where they're like – you're like, yeah – yeah, no, you, I don't get, I don't you had a, feel. you had a, maybe I'm just more insecure than you. You, you, um, you had a rapper once though. Yes. And, oh, man. and he's a listener that, that would have been really hard and, for me, bro. That would have been really hard for me. I would have, he was really popular. The kids loved him. Kids, loved, the kids him. loved him. Yeah. They thought y'all were like a dynamic duo for real. Oh, we were a team. <laughs> we, 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 we like, uh, finish each other's sentences. And oh stuff. man. Oh, that's cute. Well now yeah. I'm, now I'm getting jealous. I'm like, we got to team teach together eventually, dude. That would be so lit. We got to do. We got to figure that out. We, we got to do figure it. Out a way to do that. Got to lean on some people. Let's let's try to do yeah. this through the master schedule and just kind of like strategically get our classes like that line up like planned at the same time, and yep. then and then we could be like, yo, you taking you taking two classes right now. <laughs> That's it. That's it. All right, it's a plan. So anyway, tell us about our guest. <clears throat> so our guest today is Tiffany Choi, and she is a French teacher at East High School, and she is currently running to be the next DCTA president. And so she had reached out to see if she could uh, maybe uh, get an interview uh, with the Two Dope uh, Teacher Nation. Yep. And I said, you know, because me and Tiffany go back, she is the sponsor of the East which, and I'm the sponsor, if you guys don't know, of the uh, Model United Nations Club at our school. And so we, we go back. We're, we're putting on a meet together uh, April 20th East. So our kids have been working on that. We've been working on that. Yep. Um, you know, as the sponsor, I don't do a lot. I just sit back and let the kids handle it. <laughs> I mean, that's those are the but, best uh, clubs, right? The ones where the students kind of expect you to just get out of the way and provide a room. <laughs> student-led club that's right yeah they're that's the, the way they're the experts in it. i never i never did model united nations uh, yeah but i saw it i got invited to judge it yep and then just got pulled into it <laughs> yeah been why, why do you years. yeah why do you think i don't show up to a lot of things like <laughs> but but yeah <laughs> like I, I remember i tried to do mun like my second year in college at cu yes and i was so yeah. confused i was so oh, confused yeah. I had no, no but, I had no idea what was going on. So I think I went to like two meetings and then I stopped coming and then they didn't call me either. So clearly clear, clearly it wasn't working for anyone involved. <laughs> this wasn't meant to be. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'm not good at this. So just when I see these students and especially like your young daughter like holding it down with M U N like in ways that yes. I couldn't when I was like twenty or twenty one years old, like I'm I'm highly impressed with that team. So yeah, no, so they impressed they impress me because, like, uh, Saturday mornings they're up to debate, uh, you know, global issues, um, and uh, do it on Friday nights writing uh, position papers, doing research, 
and it's really cool to see you know kids engage at that level. Most definitely. All right, so uh, so we're gonna get um, we're gonna get Tiffany here on um, on Skype, and uh, and we'll be picking up that interview. All right. Hello, and uh, I want to welcome our guest Tiffany Choi, the amazing Tiffany Choi, uh, who is currently running for DCT A president. Uh, so, Tiffany, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Uh, very snowy outside, and I'm enjoying my snow day. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes, very snowy. And what better day. way to spend a snow day than on the Two Dope Teachers in a Mic podcast, am I right? That's right. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so, um, if you would start off by uh, just telling us a little bit about your story as a teacher. Great. So, I'm originally from Aurora, Colorado. Um, after I graduated high school, I went to school out of state and ended up studying French, um, realized that French was not going to get me very far in life, but um, also realized that education was probably one of the most important um, institutions that I could think of to use um, my skills, and ended up teaching English in France for a year through the Fulbright program, um, and really found like a love and passion for public education, Came back to Denver, got my um, teaching degree and my um, master's from CU Denver at the uh, Urban Community Education School. And um, through that program, I was placed for my internship at Montbello High School. Uh, and this was around 2010, 2011, when Montbello was going through its closure process. So I saw firsthand what a school closure is like. Um, it was horrible. The students felt abandoned. Um, teachers had to leave, you know, in the middle of the year because they were afraid of not having a job. We saw charter schools coming in and taking over the building. They were getting brand new books, brand new whiteboards, brand new furniture while we our resources were being taken away. Wow. Um, so it was overall just a really horrible experience um, for students and teachers, and it made me very upset. Uh, fast forward, I'm now teaching still in DPS at East High School, um, yes. which is, it's a great school. It was, it's a very, you know, stable school and has great staff, but I did encounter a, a bad administrator, yeah. um, that was leaving me in tears after every single conversation. And I, I was actively looking for jobs outside of teaching. I was so disheartened. Um, and that's kind of when I decided <laughs> was like a moment of, hey, I can leave teaching and move on with my life, or I can go out fighting, and that's when I sort of got involved with a union, um, and I started doing community organizing work around building community schools as we were getting ready for a master contract at the time. Yeah. Um, this was around the time I also started getting disillusioned with the union itself because I felt like it was not doing enough. Um, to be engaging with the community, um, and then I went, ran for the board of directors two years ago. Um, and since then, I've been working actively with a group called the Caucus of Today's Teachers, and we strive to um, focus on more social justice in schools, more social, social justice focus within DCTA, and also more transparency and democracy overall. Yeah. Can wow. you, um, so, I mean, th there's so so much great there. Um so, so I have to admit um, a little bit of bias myself because uh, I went to manual high school and 
we back back in the day we used to have a real basketball rivalry and uh and I, I played sports at Manual, and any time we could beat East was definitely um, memorable. Didn't even matter. Other games didn't even matter. Uh, my mother is an East High School graduate, so um, so so we have that little thing in common. Um, so um, so in terms of so talk a little bit about um, what the kind of the distinction you're drawing between community schools and maybe what we have right now. Uh, you talked a little bit about your community organizing um, efforts to establish community schools. Can you talk a little bit about what that means for the layperson? Right. So um, the community schools uh, is an idea that's actually going around the country. And um, it's the idea, basically, that the school is more than just a place to learn about academics. It's like a place where we foster students' whole child everything, their health, their well-being, um, by providing services, you know, having enough counselors, having access to social workers, psychologists, um, having, you know, things like health care available, having, um, being a place where parents are welcome to feel like they can go into the school. Um, also, uh, you know, just focusing on, like, the whole uh, justice um, or restorative justice in schools instead of a traditional discipline model, like having um, trained people that are that are trying to build this more relationship-based justice system within the school. Um, so, so yeah, we we created like some ideas of goals we wanted to examine, such as smaller class sizes, more nurses, more counselors, um, and restorative justice, and by focusing on those we were trying to get that into the master contract however a lot of those things unfortunately did not make it into the final dcta contract and this yeah. was this was the last time the agreement was bargained correct yeah this was well, like two years ago when we did the master contract yeah okay yeah. Um, um yeah go I, ahead oh go ahead now you go ahead um so <laughs> i i've I love what you, um, like, kind of what you're saying about the importance of community schools. Um, I think we are both totally on board with that, you know, in our experiences uh, working in the different public schools. You know, we see these schools um, where, you know, kids don't have their needs met um, and where, you know, the focus is in the gap on testing and things like that. Um, what role do you see the DCTA in, in helping to accomplish the vision that, uh, you and the caucus of today's teachers are working towards? So, um, I believe that the first thing DCA, DCTA needs to do to have any sort of impact is to work on building its power. Um, and I think the way we do that is through um, a process I've been learning about through the Industrial Areas Foundation, which is basically just relationship building, one-to-one -one person organizing. So if we are building relationships, like authentic relationships with our teachers, we will have stronger um, we will have stronger bonds that will help us when we're fighting for whatever it is we need, like well, like what we saw with the strike. Um, so we went from fifty one percent membership two years ago to seventy percent, and part of the reason is because I think teachers felt like oh we're actually doing something, we're accomplishing something, we're doing this in solidarity, and they were really inspired. And that helped us to, to build that power. But I feel like 70% still is not enough to have the most impact that we could have. Um, so I think doing a campaign of really 
training teachers on how to be community organizers, organizing their teachers, and then also organizing with the parents and the students and the, the other community stakeholders, um, and building those community coalitions so that we're not just working on our own, we're actually working for the community and with the community, right? It's not just about our contract, it's about how are we supporting also the efforts um, in the community for more social justice. Um, for example, uh, apparently we have very racist zoning laws in uh, Denver. Yeah, and, no doubt. Uh, this is like ground. This is like ground zero <laughs> for redlining. Right. Yeah. And that's something that um, is going to impact. It's going to impact all of our students and um, and impact the equity in our schools. So if we built enough power and got with the community and we really fought something like that together, that would ultimately help be helping everyone. It would be helping our families and it would be helping our schools to be more equitable as well. Um, so I think the first step is building power with people and with the community and with the parents. Um, and then the next step is really working with the community to plan what it is we want our schools to look like so we can put those into our master contract in two years, for example, or whenever the next negotiations are. Yeah. I, I have kind of a follow-up to that. Um, so what you're describing um, is is really powerful. It makes me think of an article I, that I was assigned to read in grad school by George Counts, um, who titles it, do the schools dare challenge the social order, right? Um, in other words, that when we propose that school is a place for more than just building academic skills, um, when we propose that, is that something that we're prepared to do? And, and when you describe um, the, the union as being like, maybe that's the next step that we need to do, I get super excited. In your estimation, what kind of stomach do you think our colleagues in Denver Public Schools have for truly becoming a justice-oriented, anti-oppression-oriented association? I think if we're not focusing on that, then we're just kind of shooting ourselves in the foot. Because if we want, you know, yeah, we can talk about no test doubt. scores all day, right? Yep. But if, but if our students are suffering from, like, an oppressive system, there's no way we'll ever be able to... Uh, you know, do anything with our achievement gaps because we know it's more than just, I mean, our teachers do have an impact on that, but yep. we can't actually solve any long-term problems if we're not solving all the systematic issues that are leading to it. Yeah, and addressing them and working to agitate to disrupt these oppressive systems. I mean, I, I think the the list is long. So so it sounds like, um, it's it sounds like your candidacy is not just a challenge to kind of the status quo. And, and um, in a second, I'll have you talk a little bit about where um, you see, like this, this notion of a more democratic union. Um, would love to hear more about that. Um, but it sounds like you're also challenging us as a membership um, to really stand for justice issues that affect our students and the work that we do with them. Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think we're, I sort of see teachers, we're kind of the first defense against, like, our falling <laughs> public ed education system. Yeah, no doubt. Um, right? Like, I, I think most educators got into the profession because they believe education is uh, is a democratic right. Like, it's part of being a citizen of a democracy. Um, and, and the fact that it, the ideal is that it's, it's um, it's open for everyone and that it's equal, right? We know that that's not necessarily the reality, but just ha at least having that as a goal. 
Um, and to see what that corporate reform policies have infiltrated the public school system. They're making a profit off of our students. Yep. And it's really yep. harmful. Um, and we're the ones who are experiencing it, and our students are the ones who are who are feeling the most pain. And so it's kind of our duty that if we see something wrong, that we're, we have to do it because no one else is going to do it. The politicians, uh, they don't necessarily know what they need to do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, but they, but they went to school. To they went to school. So oh. they know, right? That's right. <laughs> I, I mean, school has changed. So much oh man since i was a student right yeah, like, yeah yep. no yeah absolutely the increase in standardized testing the increase in teacher accountability um this choice model supposed, oh, man. we like to call it supposed choice model yeah yep, yep, yep. in denver because we yep. know that it, it doesn't actually it give a fair choice or an equal choice to every single student so yeah that's uh, exactly yeah. i mean yeah it's it, it's incredible to kind of look at and as you kind of talk the th- the the kind of thought that occurs to me is that arguably so many of the folks who are making decisions about um how things are going to happen in schools um are probably a lot less invested in the actual lives of their students and the success of their students than they are in turning a profit or developing their political portfolio or networking on both social and political and economic levels. And, and, you know, the notion that teachers be excluded from these conversations is just really, it's extremist and it's, um, and it's radical, um, given that we're literally the ones that, that care the most about what, um, kids are experiencing on a day-to-day basis. You know, I think that's important, but I think um, to, to go back to a point that Perodo had raised, um, like some of the things that I see um, that we have to work as a union to get past, um, and I think it relates to kind of what you said, um, the caucuses platform is relating to increasing restorative justice. Like I always go back to when um, the district um, began the policy of uh, not suspending students K-3, uh, and the reaction of a lot of union members, uh, you know, to that to that policy, you know, this is unfair, and how can we do this, you know? And I and I think that um, we do need to kind of reconcile what teachers think are their needs with what the needs are of the community and what really goes on, you know, because I think I see a lot of well-meaning teachers, you know, saying you should be doing things this way to students and, and things like that, and. Um, I just uh, are wondering your thoughts around how to kind of how do we help our teachers uh, become more conscious or, or woke to use the current vernacular? <laughs> how do we how do we help our teachers become more woke? You know, um, because I see a lot of teachers out there because you know we we have come up in the same society and uh, we are victims of the kind of same sort of uh, oppressive. Um, thought patterns that, you know, um, everybody else is. So how do we help our teachers kind of see the light or more teachers see the light? Well, um, I, I think I have two ideas. One is if we are, like, having conversations regularly with parents, I think we might be able to see things from a different perspective, and I think that would be healthy for teachers because if they're finding out, you know, parents are really really concerned about the way discipline is being handled and how, you know, it's unfair, they might 
that might be eye-opening for teachers. And then I also think we do need, uh, I know that everyone hates this, but like culturally responsive um, training I think is important. And the problem is I don't think it's really been implemented well. Yeah. Um, in schools, like we have a, you know, we have equity PDs every year in my building. Yeah. I don't think I have actually learned anything <laughs> new in the last five years. Every year it's like, what is implicit bias? Do you have it? <laughs> well, yes. and, we, and we leave it <laughs> open. We leave it open for people to like say, no, I don't have implicit bias, <laughs> you know? Like, like Kev, Kevin and I... Ex- like, Go ahead. No, like, yeah, some people say, no, I don't, or yes, I do, and then that's kind of where it ends. Well, because people want to... <laughs> People want to walk away from the conversation if they say that they don't, and they want to walk away from the conversation if they say that they do. It's it's like almost like I've seen weird cycles happen in schools that I've worked in where you know there's this low key competition between like who has more implicit bias, and it's like, well, I did this, and that was really insensitive, but I'm aware of it, and like so so frequently, like it's almost like the oppressor Olympics <laughs> like, yeah. and, and, and we want to prove that, Oh, we're so flawed and I want to medal for talking about how flawed I am. Um, and not furthering the conversation. Like Kevin and I were in a PD where, uh, our 5280 team asked teachers to stand if they felt that they had implicit bias and all but one white male stood. <laughs> and, and, and the goal for the rest of his school year was to convince these young ladies that somehow implicit bias wasn't a real thing. Yeah, it, it was it was wonderful to watch because they weren't having it, but it was just, like, you're just reminded, like, man, we got a lot of work to do here. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, uh, and well, I, I think, think uh, oh, go ahead, just. Oh, well, I was just going to say, I think it... it it, it can't just be like once or twice a year you have a conversation about implicit bias. Like if people were actually serious about it, you would have to have like dedicate time and energy that hopefully would not take away from the rest of your classroom duties into like having these conversations and going moving on from just do you have implicit bias to looking at like what are the impacts actually like what do studies show are the impacts of these biases in your classroom and then the next step is like what actual like research or studies have been done to show how to stop like there because you can do you can have interventions in your own classroom if you don't know something is harmful then you're not going to change it but if you do know and then you are given like a solution then that's actually something that might improve you know, the quality of education for your students. I mean, for for yeah. us, I think, and, and Kev, tell me if I'm not speaking for you accurately, but I, f- I feel like for us, if we walked into our building in August and we were told by our school leadership that the only PD we would be doing would be around anti-oppression in the classroom, I'd be thrilled. Oh, I'd be thrilled. Like, like I, I almost... Mean, I think that would probably be the most powerful thing that we could do, um, but... I feel like we, we, we dance around the issue. We dance around the issue because that that is the big issue. Um, you know, like we've talked about before and like Tiffany said today, um, you know, the, the systematic oppression, if, if, if it doesn't matter if my kids have all the ability in the world and have the best SAT scores when, you know, there are rich white people who are able to, you know, pay for their kids to be where they want them to be. Right. Uh, are you are you talking about? Is that a reference to some current events we got going on here? Yeah, because because uh, yeah. that man that was hot. 
Like, <laughs> I, like as I kind of watched things happen, I was like, oh, that's that actress from Full House. That's interesting. And then, like, and then as you, like, see how far this goes, like, soccer scholarships to people who don't play soccer. <laughs> and it was yeah. like, yeah. and it's, I mean, whoa. And you know, my favorite part of that, and I think this is the piece that I think can be really destructive to educational justice movements. Like, my favorite part of that is that we've now established this dichotomy between affirmative action and this, like, highly illegal behavior, right? And yep. and what a lot of people didn't notice was, so, there, so one of the investigators was on TV this morning, and he was commenting on the whole thing, and he's like, well, you know, this is really bad, what just happened. This isn't just a matter of a family donating a building to the college to help their kid get in. And I'm like, stop right there. <laughs> like, stop right yep. there, because what is truly the difference between those things? And so um, we still don't have an honest conversation about access to education and, you know, um, like the, the privilege that we kind of meet out. Um, because we're still saying, well, you know, if a rich person wants to donate a, a wing to the library, that's fine, right? And, and we're not really having the conversation. I think the other issue that we run into in buildings um, is just the issue of white fragility. You know, uh, we run into an issue of, like, we start speaking our piece, people kind of get in their feelings, and then, like, you put, is that that same reason that when, when uh, some teachers will engage controversial issues in their classrooms and they kind of pull back because someone's getting their feelings hurt. Um, yeah. It would be wonderful to have a climate where we can talk about like true intersectional justice because there's things I need to hear about being a cis male, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. There are things I need to hear about being a, a U.S. born citizen. There, there are things that yeah. I need to hear, but when the dialogue isn't happening both ways, um, I just kind of quiet down and wait for the meeting to end, to be honest with you. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, yeah you, you've yeah, seen me. No. Or, or I text Kevin and get him in trouble. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Something like that. Either one of those. Um, that is I I do think it comes down to, um, to like the relationship that you have with the people in your building as well. Because you're you're not going to be open to having those conversations if you don't know, you know, if you don't already trust and have a relationship with your colleagues. Um, so I think I think that's something we can work on that that would help. And I think that is something that the strike really brought my staff together in, in like a new way, where I felt way more connected to. Even though I have 165 people, like I just felt like we were definitely as one. Um, and I got to know people on a very different level. So I think the more we can be doing uh, those sorts of community bonding activities with our colleagues, the easier it will be to have those conversations. I, I totally agree. And, yeah. you know, I, I think Kevin and I both saw relationships really deepen and transform. Uh, people I know in my – like I, I felt extremely inspired um, by some of our first-year teachers who just never hesitated never. for a second never hesitated for a second and and as a 20-year veteran like um i i had forgotten how tenuous you feel in your position as a as a first-year teacher and um and just being able to hear their stories and watch their example really kept me fired up and what's and what was really cool and you know i was talking to uh kev about this before i think maybe it was on a previous episode like i coach in the middle school like soccer league and so I saw coaches out there, like people I coach against and that, you know, we have these little rivalries and stuff. But on that day and on those days, like 
were we were we were on the same side and um and that's just something that that's just something that won't ever go away and it's something we can really build upon yep but i think the key is like you said leveraging those relationships to help us you know move to to that vision of of a more equitable uh compassionate school system you know in each of our buildings, um, because I think that's really powerful when we can have those conversations with teachers. And I think it's really impacted teachers to help them see, you know, um, where, you know, we have our biases. And it's impacted me when teachers have been able to call me out and and help me, uh, you know, see my own internalized biases. Yeah, and what I hear both of you telling me is that I should maybe be a little nicer to people. (laughs) (laughs) That's right, that's what this is all about. (laughs) <laughs> yeah it's it's all about me it's all about i'm feeling personally attacked because now I, now it's possible that i need to be nice or, or patient or kind <laughs> and those yeah, are we, things. Have, we have to understand where you're coming from your <laughs> that's <needs> true <laughs> <laughs> that's true understand me yes yeah. yes um i i had a question and i think you you alluded to it a little bit early on but I, I'd like to hear something about. So, as you know, uh, two dope teachers and a mic. Uh, we seek to um, build a community of teachers of color um, because oftentimes we our experience is being very isolated in schools. Um, I had actually, um, I guess, forgotten that I was a brown teacher for a really long time because I was the only one. And Kevin helped me remember <laughs> when we started working together. Like, no, I mean, you know how it is, right? You like compartmentalize things, or I did anyway. Um, I'd like, we'd like to actually hear you talk a little bit about your experiences as a teacher of color coming up in Denver, going to school in Aurora, and then kind of finding this inspiration to get into the classroom. So would you, would you like to talk a little bit about that? Sure, for sure. Um, what's interesting because I, 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 I identify as a teacher of color on some levels and some levels I don't, so it's kind of hard because um, being Asian um, and actually being half Asian, Uh kind of in this weird, unique, like, middle ground where I I recognize that I've grown up with certain privileges, Um, and then I've also grown up, you know, as a minority in (laughs) in America, (laughs) I've I've sort of seen both sides. and also what's interesting is when we look at the education system in particular, um, we don't really talk about Asian as a race. That's right. <laughs> yep. It's, um, I don't know if you've noticed that, but it's always like, we really want to focus on black, brown, indigenous yep. because, um, because they're the ones struggling on tests. Right. Mostly. Um, <laughs> That's right. And then, and then we also talk about white because white is, you know, the dichotomy of that, and then Asian just sort of gets deleted out of DPS's dialogue. So, um, I'm just kind of dealing with that right now of, uh, like, what, where am I in the spectrum of color? (laughs) But, so I would just say that I, 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 I'm sure I have experienced, um, you know discrimination, but sometimes it's hard for me to see. So it's hard for me to see it sometimes. 
Um, I could I could maybe say just as being like a young female also of color yep. that perhaps I've had administrators not taking me seriously yep. or not like putting me in leadership positions where I should have been in leadership positions. Um, I think that's where I that's where I feel it probably is like oh people you're just like a nice Asian lady um, <laughs> who's gonna nod her head and do whatever you tell her to do. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that's the bias of probably it being put upon me. Um, uh, and I have seen, I've seen also biases in my building towards other teachers of color. We have a teacher that is Dominican and um, he, I feel like often gets called out by uh, our leadership for things that other people are also doing, but for some reason he just keeps getting oh, wow. being the one. Like yeah. that. So that's and it's hard, you know, it's hard to like put your finger on it and be like, that's racist. Yeah. But I do. You just kind of get a feeling like that feels not. Uh, right, I, guess, yeah. I, I can I can relate to that because Kevin called me out in a in a staff meeting uh, <laughs> last Wednesday, and and I felt like I was working really hard to not not be obnoxious that day and 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 I felt called out <laughs> and I'm brown. No, I mean I think I, I think that's right. I think that we experience these things in, in on different levels and in different contexts and um and I do think that we haven't um we haven't spent enough time highlighting uh the stories of um of a of a lot of people of color who come into this work, uh, particularly yeah. women of color. Um that there there are groups of teachers who don't fit neatly into any category, um, but yet who they are is definitely an influence on what they do, and um, and you know it, it occurs to me just you know the the stories of I mean just to paint a really broad brush the stories of Asian American teachers aren't stories that are out there right um, no. or being highlighted or amplified and and um, and I think that's an important point. Yeah, I think in my teacher ed program, there might have been like one or two kind of um, stories or case studies that I read that related to the experience of Asian American teachers. And, um, you know, they were very enlightening because there are things that like we don't consider. And I think, you know, I feel like Asian students, where they come up is like when they want to talk about test scores. Yeah. You know, and that, that model minority myth and all of that stuff. Um, you know, or, or being pulled into like, uh, the, uh, affirmative action lawsuits, right? Yeah. That, that's, that's where, like, it, it, that's where suddenly, all of a sudden people are aware that there are Asian American <laughs> students and somehow they should be involved. <laughs> right, right, right. right. And, that, <laughs> and that we should be thinking about what their needs are, you yeah. know, um, but, um, I think, it, I think it's really important, you know, and that we think about that, you know, Teach, we, uh, teachers of color, we are not monolithic, you know, but our experiences are real. And, like, when Tiffany, you talk about the stories about being, like, you wonder, you see certain stuff happening, and, like, you wonder in your mind. And I think that's where me and Gerardo bonded, because that was, like, the person I could look around <laughs> across the room and check to be like, did that, is that, did you see that? That just I'm like, that? I'm like, I don't know. It's been a while since I like allowed myself to see it. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure what to say. <laughs> But no, I mean, it's, it's been, it's been real important, um, for me to, to kind of, to have my eyes open and to like, as I've gotten older, I've become less compromising about who I am when I walk into the building and when I walk into my classroom. And I think, I think my, 
students are better for it. I don't know if my colleagues feel that they're better for it, but um, but I definitely feel feel that. Um, so yeah. it's an interesting thing. So uh, Tiffany, tell us how um, listener members of the DCTA can vote and what's going on with elections. What do we have coming up soon and later, et cetera? Great. Uh, elections are just around the corner. Yes. The council is this Tuesday, December, not December, uh, <laughs> March. <laughs> Feels like December right now. You look at that window, that looks like yeah, December to yeah, me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, March 19th at DCIS Baker. I believe it starts at 4.30. Um, this is where uh, reps are going to be given their envelopes with all of the ballots in them. Um, so in DCTA, we do a paper ballot system. The rep is the one who usually runs the election within your building. Um, so we, I highly recommend anyone who is a rep to be there or to find a way to get your envelope. Um, those elections can take place anytime until April 17th, and the ballots are due um you can bring them to Rep Council on the Tuesday before that or bring it directly to the office, the DCTA office. All right. Um, right so, around the corner. Yeah. Yeah. And um, will we be seeing – so will we be seeing literature coming into our school mailboxes or um, where we, uh, where can we learn more about um, you and other candidates? For sure. Um, so there are there will be flyers um, in the envelopes when the reps pick them up, which it's – sort of the rep's responsibility to distribute those flyers. Okay. Um, so a lot of this election is riding on the shoulders of the reps. Uh, so <laughs> I would just put a call out there to be, you know, uh, get informed and know what you need to do. Um, you can also, I have my website is, it's actually my Facebook page, but it's tiffany4fordcta.org. Um, and you can also find more about the caucus platform, which is todaysteachers.org, okay. um, caucus of today's teachers. Um, you can also, if you're interested, contact me on Facebook for more information. And um, we also are looking for donations to the caucus website. All right. And we will link to all of those places um, through our Facebook, through our Twitter, through our Instagram um, to, you know, get you, get, get you an opportunity to talk to the people. Awesome. Yeah. And I love, if you have a school that wants me to come visit, I'm willing to go to your school or meet you guys for a happy hour. So just let me know. All right. There we go. Hit her up. She'll come find you. Accessible. <laughs> All right. Well, we've taken up a bunch of your snow day. Um, we'd like to uh, let you go and stay warm and stay safe, etc. Is there anything else you want to say in closing? No, it was my pleasure to to talk with the two dope teachers. <laughs> All right, <laughs> excellent. All uh, right, yeah. I hope everyone stays warm and safe on this snowpocalypse day. Yep. Yes, yes, most definitely. Kev, anything before we uh, go away? Uh, I'm just I'm glad, uh, Tiffany, we got to have you on the podcast and uh, looking forward to seeing you next week uh, as we continue to work on our uh, Model United Nations conference that <laughs> is rapidly approaching. <laughs> Deadline um, time. Yep. We'll be seeing you next week. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. All right. Thanks very much, Tiffany, and uh, we'll be talking to you soon. All right. All right. Bye. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. 
And uh, ladies and gentlemen, that was Tiffany Choi uh, running yeah. for DCTA president. Yes, that yeah. was awesome. Yeah, it was a good interview. Um, I, I think that it's, it is important that whatever the result of this uh, election in in the Denver Classroom Teachers Association, that that we do really look at how to kind of, like she talked a lot about uh, democratizing the union, but I also think of it as modernizing the union, right? Like yeah, I'd agree. I'd how agree. we become a true 21st century union that is invested in social justice. Yeah, and I, and I, like I think about, you know, um, I love the way you said that, that evolution of kind of organizing, right? And where we've seen like these yeah. overlaps in movements and, and um, a lot of what she talked about in terms of like the community school reminded me so much about what we learned at for uh, what we were talking about at J4J yeah. and what's been done in Chicago, yep. you know, that that it is labor unions, it's, uh, you know, uh, community organizations, it's parents, it's students working together to make sure, you know, that they have the schools that they need, but also to like resist this corporate takeover yeah. of our school districts across this country. Yeah, and we got and we got a little bit of a taste of that during our own strike when so many um, non-educational groups came to our support, right? Yep. Like we had Local Seven, we had um, and support Local Seven as they as they work through their uh, labor dispute. Yep. Teamsters were there, carpenters were there, you know. So, and I think it's just so much bigger that when we start to think about the um, systematic nature of this oppression, it's going to take us really working together because it's, you know, it's not just about um, ending charter schools, right? It's about making sure that there are fair wages, that, uh, you know, that we stop the gentrification that's destroying our urban communities. No doubt. That, you know, that, um, that, you know, drug laws are equitable, yeah. you know, and fair to people, um, that the, you know, environmental issues, which I just uh, read an article, um, that there is a racial gap when it comes to p air pollution. Huh, how about that? Right? That, that <laughs> people of color consume more of it, and white people, people in the dominant culture tend to produce more of it. But uh, I think about, you know, all of these issues as they come together, yep. you know, I think really starts to solidify in a movement that will lead to, I think, greater sustained progress for all of us. Without a doubt. I mean, we're, we're definitely, um, we're, be we're definitely in this kind of like fourth industrial revolution where we're looking at where we're trying to create ways that are efficient for capitalism, that are efficient for corporatism and that are efficient for the wealthy. And in order to stem that tide, uh, we do need a movement that is intersectional and uh -huh. and that advocates for each other. Yep. Yeah, I man. That's critical. Hey, that's critical. Uh, in weather updates, I still can't see out my windows. Um, yeah, I was about to ask because uh, I'm I'm in a room, but the curtains are all drawn. Yeah. But uh, I assume it's still snowing. I hear the wind and um, yeah. I hear sirens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's always a little disconcerting. Well, here's here's the crazy thing. Like, um, I mean, what was wild about this is like the snow over here at different points has been blowing sideways and upward. It's like going upward. How is snow going upward, bro? How is snow going upward? This is the weirdest thing. It's blowing off the ground. What is going on? It's like coming out the ground. It's like jumping up like, ha! <laughs> you didn't know, you didn't know 
<laughs> Man. Um, well, uh, I think we should go and enjoy our families for uh, this snow day. Do you ever get to that point in a snow day where you're like, dang, if I was at school, the school day would almost be over now. Yeah. And then you, yeah, start, you, start, feeling, you start feeling sad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I got I to gotta listen to some interviews that I missed on Monday when I was out. Oh, that's, dang. That's what I'm going to be doing with uh, the next yeah. two hours or so. Well, I'm going to be grading a mountain of work, so we, we will suffer in solidarity, right? Yeah, um. yeah, the teacher lights. <laughs> yeah. The blizzard outside. Man, forget the post office. Yeah. The teachers, we still go. No doubt, no doubt. Yeah, hey, you know what occurs to me? This is about to be episode 38, which means that Two Dog Teachers is about to turn 40. Oh, man. Dang. We, we that's, got, that's big. I know. The big 4-0. We have to have a celebration. We need to have a celebration. Hey, uh, hit us up with your ideas for how we can celebrate our 40th episode. Which yeah, we'll, maybe, maybe we'll bring back some uh, some some of our, our greatest guests. Oh, yeah. Have a little roundtable. Hit up the Wu-Tang Clan. Uh, yeah, we, we need to get back to the Wu-Tang, Wu-Tang teachers. teachers. Get some 5280 kids. Get, you yeah. know. Young, young Kevin, young hair. Yep, young Kevin, young head. I will bring them back. <laughs> I don't. I don't know if they pick up their phone or even know what's going on, but we'll hit yeah, them up. I'm worried about those dudes. Hopefully, they haven't gotten fired. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, well, hopefully they. Hopefully, they're home and safe and everything today. Yeah, they're, they're sleeping. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, if you want to get in touch with the show, um, hit us up on Instagram on and Twitter at Two Dope Teachers. You can also check out our Facebook page at uh, facebook.com slash 2 teachers You can also email us with any of your questions, uh, your praise. Hold off on your complaints, if you would. We, uh, <laughs> we, we're tough on ourselves as it, as it is, and we're okay. sensitive. Okay. And, and we do this for free 99. Um, and uh, also, if you are consuming this podcast on Apple iTunes, give us a five-star rating. Um, yes. And uh, if you don't want to give us a five-star rating, then we would just prefer you not rate us. It helps others find uh, the content that we're putting out here. Um, so uh, for Kevin Adams, I'm Gerardo Munoz, and we are encouraging you not only to stay warm, but to also stay, stay dope. dope.